The following podcast is a presentation of Project Entertainment Network. Welcome to Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius, your source for horror, sci-fi, suspense, and all things violent. Hey, what's up, guys? Thank you so much for joining me today on Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius. Today we have episode 79. At the end of the episode, we will have a short story from Untold Mayhem. I don't know which one yet. I might let my special guest decide what it's going to be. My special guest today is a longtime friend, Jason the Manly Stanley. No, J- Jason Stanley. <laughs> I like the manly. I haven't heard that before. Right, um, I was going to go with super manly Stanley. I, I, that's even better. That's probably how I'll put it up in the YouTube description. Excellent. Uh, Excellent. <laughs> but thank you for joining me today and being on here. We, we haven't talked in a long time, so I thought this would be kind of fun. Yeah, it's, it's been a while. We've been, a, well, we've been friends for a long time, and I've been a big fan of your work for a long time, and um, yeah, nice to connect with you. Yeah, See so... Going down. I, I think first off, I, I wanted to find out, like, why you talk so strange. As, uh, that's always bothered me. I was like, what, what's, what's wrong with this guy? It's, uh, it's really just something I do to put people on edge. I don't want to get too comfortable and feel a little nervous and... Um, you know, get a little bit of fear instilled in their, their psyche. Yeah. That's cool. I, I, maybe I'll start doing that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll, I'll change up my voice a little bit. Um, no, but I wanted to talk a little bit, because you just shared something the other day talking about um, my books and how much you enjoyed them. And it made me remember just how supportive you were, uh, especially when I first released Brightside. That's when I never, you know, I was trying to call myself a published author, uh, well, trying to call myself an author, um, and I just did not feel it at all, and you were super supportive, you were very helpful, um, and giving me lots of that confidence that I desperately needed, uh, and especially after you read Brightside and you, you know, you guys told me how much you enjoyed it and stuff, so I just wanted to say thank you for that, that was, that was definitely huge for me. Uh, you're welcome, and uh, I think... You know, that's something that we all kind of, um, we all have our doubts, we all have our insecurities and all that kind of stuff. And I remember when you were, you were getting started and, and, you know, this was, geez, this is going back probably 15. I think I released Brightside in 2012. And so we were probably talking a year, even two before that. Yeah. And, um, I remember, because, you know, our, our wives went to school together and <laughs> great friends and whatnot, and we kind of created our, uh, what do you call it, our, um, our bromance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I probably wasn't supposed to say that. But um, I remember, and I, the first day I met you, and I said, I said, well, what do you do, Mark? Because I, I know, you know, I met Jen and whatnot, and he said, I'm an author. And I'm like, that is so awesome. Like, I don't know an author. Now I can say to my friends, hey, I, I'm friends with an author. Like, not, not just me who's trying to self-publish, you know, things. I've self-published some, some martial arts stuff on, online and whatnot, you know, my own PDFs and, and whatever. But, but to, to be friends with an actual author, I'm like, dude, that is freaking awesome. And then you released uh, Brightside. And I remember when all that came out. And this is advanced reader copy you guys see that oh, yeah. right? and i think it's be worth a lot of money reading. one day yeah you're in wrote in this one for me. i mean Ooh. i got and i, got I bet you reading. can't read it um i got the messiest writing my wife always makes fun of me um you could but, you could probably make out a couple words here and there yeah well no you d- you didn't go to to school like you know a, 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 or i did i mean you went to brown right yeah, you but I did. I, I never learned how to write. <laughs> well, isn't that the joke about you know uh, doctors go to school for you know forever so just so they can learn to write illegibly? Yeah. Um, now your your writing is really good here, and um, I lo- I love the book. I thought this was wonderful, and uh, just a really different kind of idea, something that I hadn't come across before. And I read some, you know, other bits and pieces of things, Stephen King, you know, whatnot. But I, I really was digging this one, and um, I thought it was great. 
That's cool. And now you have the early copy of Beyond Brightside. So it'll be interesting. It'll be, especially because it's been so long since you read the first one, it'll be interesting to see what you think and how you feel. And there are some parts in it that we are not sure of. Um, my editors came back at me with one of the scenes saying that we should definitely cut it because I'm going to get a lot of shit for it. Um, <laughs> so I, I, we, we kept it. Uh, I kept it. So uh, I'm definitely interested in seeing how you take it and what you think and, uh, and go from there. But hopefully you'll enjoy it more than anything. That's what I'm going for. If, if I could just interject there. And one thing I, I really appreciate uh, with what you do, Mark, is you, you're true to yourself in the way you connect with people, the way you put yourself out there. It comes across in your writing as well. Is you just... You're not hiding behind this facade, or it doesn't seem to be like that, at least. Uh, you seem to be just up straight, this is who I am, this is what I've got. And I think that's that's just a, a great way people connect with you and relate to you. And, um, you know, I just want to congratulate you on, on being authentic. I think that's so important. Well, cool, man. Well, I, I appreciate that. And, you know, I think lots of the talks we had early on, um, the the motivating talks you you kind of helped instill that you helped kind of uh show me pass on lots of the stuff that you had picked up from guys like what timothy robbins is that his name uh yeah tony robbins uh, tony robbins funny. yeah <laughs> yeah I, I actually just did a whole bunch uh more stuff with tony robbins you know um learning from him we did a this awesome program called upw called unleash the power within and usually they do it you know like in a uh, center somewhere and there's like 15,000 people but because of COVID uh, that, that all got you know and so he built this stage it's just friggin phenomenal he built this 40 foot high ceiling this stage a 360 um, thing with like 20,000 people on Zoom all in the one oh, thing wow. and in the middle and he's, he's pulling people out and giving them coaching and, and it was just just an amazing experience and then uh yeah, interestingly, I, I went ahead and did his business mastery uh, five-day intensive thing just a couple of weeks ago, and again, and how, it was super powerful. Very, and, and so you're still learning, you, and you got a lot from it. Got a ton from it. Got absolute ton from it. Um, I've got you know 150 pages of notes. I mean, it's just insane. Mm -hmm. um, the guy's an absolute machine. Like, <laughs> just just a brilliant, brilliant man. Now, when you do get that kind of, especially that volume of information, how much of it do you apply? Do you ever get overwhelmed and think there's too much to apply? Or do you, are you kind of smart about it? Like, no, I'm gonna, I could implement this, this, and this right now, and then? Yeah, great question. I think, um, you know, part of the, uh, part of the program was doing uh, something they call like a disc assessment where they, you know, they ask you a whole bunch of questions and then they categorize you into different, you know, areas and do like this uh, profile analysis on you and they figure out what you respond best to, where your weaknesses are, and then they kind of, you know, they coach you in those areas that you need it and then where you're, where you're not good, uh, they say, oh, you know, outsource that and get someone else to take care of that. Um, you don't want to, you know, you're a four, you don't want to, you know, really work on that and become a six. Who wants the data six? You don't want to be a right. you want to you want to be an eight or a nine or a ten in, in the areas that you're really great in, and um, so one of the things for me personally is I guess I, they call it like high theoretical. Like I'm I'm always you know figuring stuff and I'm always seeking information. And the mm. challenge for me is to go no that that's enough information. Let me let me take action on the things that are really important. And so um, that's certainly been a challenge for me, um, but it's probably one of the reasons I'm just continuing learning as well is, is I, I enjoy the learning and I love seeing how people step it up and go to the next level. And, um, but to answer your, your question, yeah, it is overwhelming and you've got to be disciplined and you've got to just, um, you know, be coached and, and also schedule. I found it's really, really important is just blocking the time and setting it on your calendar. Like it's an appointment with someone else, even though it's an appointment with yourself, mm -hmm. Like you wouldn't break an appointment. We have an appointment effectively today to, to talk. I wouldn't break that appointment with you. Um, it's the same concept. Okay, Tuesday at, at 10 a.m., I'm setting an appointment to do this. 
and you kind of got to step out of yourself to see it that way. And, and it's a really powerful way to, to get stuff done. That's cool. I, sh I should do that. I have my, I've always had to-do lists and those help me a little bit, but then I realized like, well, my to-do lists were mixed up. I have my to-do list that includes shit that has to be done like in six months, things that need to be done, you know, next week. Then I have other things that like, no, those should be done today. Um, so now I've kind of arranged my list a little bit more where I have a, a, a list of like, okay, here's what's being done today. Here's what's tomorrow. These are in the future. Um, and yeah. then just knocking them out. But yeah, I think, I think one of my biggest problems is being overwhelmed and, and real and also not hiring the people I need to. I'm, I'm getting better about that, but like, I honestly need someone to just take over marketing. Like I'm never, like, I could probably get okay at it. But with everything else I've got going on, like you know, I just I just added two more try not to dies uh, in the last week, you know. So now I'm gonna have a try not to die with the little fat kid, and then or or I guess that's a bad word, uh, um, heavy set kid. Uh, his parents, yeah, there's the original one right there. Uh, look at that, that's gonna be worth a lot too. The original cover has pictures in it. Um, Dude, you yeah. didn't write in this one for me. See, that's what it looks like now. This one. See it right over there. That's the new grandma's house. You got, you got the original one. Um, and we're about to launch the big uh, pandemic contest. We should get about a thousand people um, into that contest where they're reading the, each chapter every day. So I'm excited about that. Tell me how does the contest work? What's that about? Um, on the seventh, it's all going to be done through Facebook Messenger. Um, and I hate Facebook, but whatever, we got to use it. Uh, so it's just going to be the first thousand people that register for free will uh, they'll get the ebook at the end of it for free. Um, they have a chance to win autographed copies every day. They're going to get the chapter at the start of the day. They they vote on it um, on the back end. We'll be tallying all the deaths and the survival rate, and then the people that have the best rates are going to win the grand prizes. Like I think, I'm not sure the total prizes, but. Uh, I think we have like $500 in gift certificates to Dark Delicacies, which is a horror bookstore. Uh, we have a bunch of different horror authors that are putting together book bundles. Uh, so those would be prizes. So we're really going after the horror crowd. Uh, so I think it should be fun. And, uh, and Jen actually had a great idea. She's like, she's like, well, what about all the people that die too much and they just suck it? You know, and because it's not easy. The survival rate in the last one, I think, was uh, at 33%. So majority of people are dying. Um, so we're also going to have a good prize for the person with the lowest survival rate. So um, yeah, whoever That's dies awesome. the most can get a prize. And it's not, it's not going to be easy to try to die either because lots of times you're going to think, oh yeah, for sure you're going to die that way. But so, so is there a prize for the guy who dies first? Like, you know, the, Oh, the very first person to die. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe you want to be that person. Well, probably not because the first chapter, I'm going to set it up to where if you look on Amazon on the pre-order or where I think we're going to have it available everywhere, uh, you'll be able to read the first chapter and those decisions. So you put in a little bit of work, like you, I'm giving them a free answer. So, yeah. um, but that, cool. and, and the first death scene is pretty cool too. So uh, that way the readers get to actually see the death scenes, but like, I'm hard at work right now trying to get that through the final editing process, trying to get it ready for the seventh for the launch. Um, is, this, is it like an epic death scene? Uh, it's pretty good. It's all about um, it, the, the choice is whether or not you say something to this guy who doesn't have a mask on. So, mm. you know, and, and really trying to really trying to tap into, you know, the, the, disconnect and, and how we feel with all the, you know, how, how does everyone look at each other and judge each other with their mask on? And um, it all takes board on this ship, uh, beautiful ship right there. And, uh, and then well, it gets a little crazy though. Terrorists come on board and shit gets nuts. Uh, have you got a, you, you've got to try not to die at bright side, haven't you? Yeah. Try not to die at bright side. Oh, right there. Uh, oh, there that one is, uh, got it. Yeah, that's uh, book number two. So that was a lot of fun. So that kind of continued Brightside. Um, it was done from a 16-year-old girl's point of view. One of the girls that Joe rescues at the end of Brightside, it takes it's, it shows her day in Brightside and then goes through the escape and a little bit further. And then beyond Brightside kind of picks up from that point. 
So awesome. I got to get on that one too. Yeah. So that one's going to be cool. In a couple months, we have uh, Try Not to Die Super High. Uh, that's going to be awesome. Uh, Steve Montgomery, he's a UFC fighter, friend of mine. Um, he wrote that one, did an excellent job. He's coming back to do Try Not to Die in Costa Rica. Um, John Palisano, who wrote Try Not to Die in the Pandemic, he already did uh, Try Not to Die in the Wild West. I just have to edit it and do all that. That'll be out next year. Um, and then one of my good friends, I can't mention her name yet because not official, uh, but she was a UFC fighter, just had a fight in Bellator. Uh, she's going to do one. It'll probably be based off of uh, protests. Uh, mm-hmm. And for sure, I, and I'm talking with my daughter about doing a Try Not to Die in 25 Perfect Days because I definitely want to do one in, set in each book. Uh, I, I love that. You, you're just you're pulling it all together. That's awesome. Yeah, and that's what I'm seeing with a lot of reviews from uh, with Try Not to Die on Brightside. Right now, it's on NetGalley, so people are hearing the audiobook, and they're all saying, "Oh, I should have read book one first. I'm going to go back and get Brightside." Um, and so, and because of that, then they're going to want to go get Beyond Brightside. And so, if I could do that with multiple books, multiple authors, like I'm realizing, I think this is this is the way I'm going to break out. Um, because it's all about series. Uh, I think 52% of all books sold are in a series or something like that. So, you know, I'm not doing it because of that. Actually, my my intention behind it was to, um, man, some of the people I'm writing with, like they could, like the pandemic has crushed them. They needed money because uh, their jobs are crushed yeah. everything else. So this was a source of income. And my goal, like the reason I want to be successful and really make money with this is so I can make money for, all these people, I'm giving them a significant, you know, cut of the proceeds. And uh, so now that is not because, you know, honestly, I think one thing that held me back is I, I don't need the money from writing, you know, so I've never had to try to market. I've never had to worry about that stuff. Like I've wanted to be successful, but the money part of it, like it was never a goal. But now it's like, no, I do want to make money because I want, I want that author and that author and that author to all be, you know, like if I could, do that for them. Um, I'm doing a doing one with my nephew. In fact, we just got off a phone call. He's having a little bit of trouble because school's overwhelming. He's only a junior in school. But I told him, I was like, dude, this could take two years or more. Like, there's no rush. But his book is going to be really good. Um, Try Not to Die in the Second Civil War. So it's all about pretty much everything that's going on, all his fears. Um, but I told him, I said, hey, I was like, even if this doesn't make a lot of money, I was like, you're making money now. I was like, but imagine if you were able to make like I don't know, 50 bucks a month for the rest of your life or something like that. Or something you did while you're in high school. I was like, that's pretty cool. So, um, so yeah, so I think, you know, probably have close to 20 books planned right now. Um, yeah. Even if half of them see the light of day, you know, if I have 12 to 15 books in the next five years, which I should, um, that'll be good. And that's not even to mention my other stuff that I have to try to weave in there. I'm finishing up my brain book right now uh, about recovering from traumatic brain injuries. Um, And then I need to do the second book in the Messiah series. So uh, awesome. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's what I've been up to. (laughs) Have you, are you, uh, you're, you're a big Stephen King fan, or at least used to be when you're younger. I know that, right? Yeah. hundred percent. And I remember Stephen King talking about uh, it was in an interview once where he talked about uh, cups and handles. Have you ever heard him talk about that? I don't remember that. Oh, so, and to, I hope I get this right, but I believe it is, you know, when you're, you're writing and you have, you know, an idea, but you're not sure where it fits, but you've got this, this scene in your head or a concept or some kind of something. Um, and you know, it's got potential, but you're not sure where it fits. And you're, you're, I know you take copious amounts of notes and you just write down your thoughts and, and get it out on the paper. And um, Stephen King said it's like having a teacup without a handle. And he, he writes, you know, all this stuff, these thoughts come in and he puts them on paper and he's, he says he's just got all these teacups without handles. And then one day, 20 years later, he finds a handle for a cup and then he pulls it together and, and then he comes up with his next story. And I thought that's a that's a really um, I, I love that analogy. And I know uh, both of our daughters like to <laughs> to write a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, and interestingly enough, <laughs> both of our daughters have the same name, <laughs> Olivia. Yep. And um, 
yeah, so both the libs are, are, are riding all the time. And I say to, to my daughter, I said, honey, you got another teacup of the, without a handle. And she goes, I know, I know, I just don't know. I'm like, that's okay, just get it out. It'll, you'll connect them one day. Yeah, no, it, it's, I think that's awesome. Uh, yeah, I think any, and that that's really what I try to get my co-authors to do because most of them are not authors. Uh, John Palisano, he's an author. Um, but the majority of these people are fighters, uh, jiu-jitsu people, just friends of mine that I've never, some of them have been, I think a couple of them haven't graduated high school. Um, but I was like, no, like we're just going to work this muscle together. Like I, I enjoy pulling stories out of people. Like that's fun for me. You know, I was like, okay, how, you know, I was like, I know you have the answers in your brain. I'm just going to ask you all the questions. So you give them to me and then we <laughs> change them and fix them and make it even cooler. And, um, yeah, so for me, it's a lot of fun, but you're totally right on just putting it all out there, just writing it all down. You don't know what's going to land. You don't know what's good, what's bad. But if you don't give yourself permission to do that, like you're going to lose out on so much stuff, you know? And I yeah. think, uh, yeah, now I, lots of times I'll come back the next day because maybe I was high or whatever else. And uh, I'm like, oh man, what did I write? But for the most part, like, <laughs> it's all it's all good. And um, another philosophy I've had to adapt is uh, – adopt is um just man it will happen when it happens i, I have a lot of co-authors uh, i just talked to my buddy jeff who's going to do uh try not to die in satan's island uh which is gonna be awesome um but you know it's falling away he's been busy with a bunch of stuff i was like dude i said if you were doing it right now i'd be overwhelmed i wouldn't be able to do it i'm working on this one and that one and this one i was like watch i was like when you're ready to start it it'll be the perfect time and i'll be able to jump on it i was like things happen when they happen um and then the same thing like with the Messiah book, uh, part two, The Bridge. I started writing that book before Ain't No Messiah, so like eight years ago. And But Messiah came up and I had to do that one first. And now when I write this one, when I write The Bridge, it's going to be way better because I'm going to be in a way better place. And so I don't, I try not to get overwhelmed. And um, I also tell myself every day, I was like, man, I could die today. This could be it. You know, my family could die today. I could die today. So all that really matters is that I'm enjoying the process. If I'm enjoying the process of writing, which I absolutely do, I was like, then that's cool. I'm going to have a good life. I'm going to have a good life with my family every day. I'm going to enjoy writing every day or making positive steps towards the career. I was like, so for me, I was like, that's a win. You know, I heard, I heard the other day, um, I was in a, like a, a group that I belong to and, uh, the author of the, of the post had written, I've read 54 books this year. Wow. How many have you read? Post below. And then, you know, there's a couple of answers. I've read 12, I've read 15, 34, whatnot. And then this is going to bring tears to your eyes. The, the next post we wrote, the only book I read is Facebook. And I thought, okay. <laughs> yeah, that, that's sad. And I, and I guarantee that person's life is probably pretty negative. You know, um, Jim Rohn, who mm -hmm. is, you know, you know, Jim Rohn, right? One of the, the, the first uh, greatest success coaches. And I, I was fortunate enough to see him in person about 25 years ago in, in Melbourne, in Australia. It's just amazing. But one of his uh, quotes that, that sticks in my mind, I just love it, is if you want the things on the higher shelf, you've got to stand on the books you read. And it's just obviously a metaphor for... Um, for education, continual self-improvement in education. And he's so right. And he, he would say things like, uh, you know, skip breakfast, but don't skip reading every day, 30 minutes a day. You know, you can skip other things, but just don't skip your reading. And um, you know what? This year I, I had that New Year's resolution, right? And up until probably uh, March, I read, you know, at least 30 minutes every day and COVID hit and I was back in Australia twice and just dealing with a whole bunch of stuff and I, I got off, off track. But in that time, I think I read uh, 12 or 13 books wow. so far this year. Um, one of my favourites, which is, I know we briefly spoke about it, 1984, George Orwell. That, Ooh, yeah. was, that was great. And, uh, yeah, that was so awesome. And then I contrast that with um, Catcher in the Rye, which I'd never read. We, I, we never read it in, in school in Australia. I don't, I don't no. think I did either. And you've read it though, right? No, uh, I don't think so. I think I, I think I skipped over that one. So, I mean, it's a classic, classic American, you know, I think it's an American book, right? I'm sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Um, and uh, so I, I thought, 
there's been it always comes up in movies in I forget what movie it was, a guy just collects copies of Catherine Rye and and whatnot. And I thought I've, I've got to read that. I'm gonna put that on the list to read. And uh I read it and it, let me tell you, it's an experience. It's it's very different. Um I'm struggling with it. <laughs> you, did you finish but, it or no, I finished it. I made sure okay. I finished it. So any book I start, I, I made sure I finish and, and, and get through it. Uh, yeah, read read a ton of stuff. Well, ton, yeah, 12, 13 books this year, including, uh, you know, I'm halfway through the second book of Game of Thrones, um, which is like Massive. thousand pages or whatnot. And I'm a huge Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. I, I didn't want to be until, but then uh, Jen made me watch it. And I, I liked it. So, yeah. Uh, but for the most part, dude, I, I try not to watch stuff that's uh, super violent. I don't know. I, I don't like seeing all that. Yeah. That's why, that's why I had a hard time with the story you wrote, sicko. Uh, I still remember that. <laughs> hey, my story. That's no, a, you can't say that. You, that's, that's for your eyes only. <laughs> yeah. But you could, we could let people know that you're kind of disturbed. Whatever. No, I'm not disturbed. I just, I, I guess I am. Um, Maybe no, you're I'm trying to impress me. I'm creative and you stimulated a part in my mind and we, we all have it, I guess. And I refer to it as that part of the mind where you walk down, you know, the attic stairs into the basement and open the door where you don't often venture. And um, yeah, there's certainly some creativity uh, beneath all the spider webs and um, uh, was that hard for you to write? Did it did it kind of disturb you at all that you would even have those kinds of you know, ideas? You know, I I I really love the creative process and uh, whatever that means. But I, I I love storytelling and and reading. And at school, I was you know in, in elementary school, we got primary school in Australia. I I used to write all the time and and absolutely loved it. And I love that. I don't know, maybe it was an escape for me as a kid or whatever, but I, you know, not that I had a, I had a great upbringing. It wasn't a lot to, to escape from, but, you know, um, but I, I really enjoyed that. So I know um, a few years ago, I thought, you know, I'm going to explore that again and start writing. And, and I, again, I'd schedule it and I'd write half an hour every day and see how it went. And, and uh, I enjoyed creating the characters, creating the story. And I remember reaching out to you and, saying well what do i i don't know where this is going how do you do you when you write do you come up with a structure and you know the ending ahead of time and how it all fits together and i think you said to me that uh one of the ways you write is just to really try to get into the head of the character to figure out who he is and what makes him the way he is what what was his what's his background where did he come from why what are the feelings he's feeling try to tap into that and I found when I started to do that, I started to take my my thoughts, my processes into that um, basement, <laughs> the attic of, that's not often visited. And I felt a little uncomfortable. I, I honestly felt a little uncomfortable because I think, oh, well, it's compelling and, and I can write it and it's engaging and it's, but what the heck's my wife going to think if she reads this? Like, this is grounds for divorce right here if she reads yeah. this. Um, but I, I really enjoyed the, yeah, you know, exploring all that. Mm. It's very cool. Yeah. Jen, Jen's actually told me before that she's been a little bit afraid to read some of the stuff I've written just because well, she's she afraid doesn't, of you. She doesn't want to know right. that I have those thoughts in my head. I was like, that's good. I was like, cause, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I think, I think it is, it's a powerful thing to go explore that, uh, that basement, that, that naughty place. Um, and just having to be okay with it. Like now I'm okay with it. Dude, every, every once in a while, I'll try to think of a story and like, okay, maybe I can make this one happy or, or something I'm like, no, that's not you. Yeah, no, it's not, it just, it doesn't make sense. It's like, why would I, why would I write that? Like, what's the point of the story if nothing terrible happens? You know, um, when I was a kid, and, um, I, you know, my, my parents split when I was younger and, and I'd go visit my dad, you know, and he lived a couple thousand miles away and whatnot. And I remember dad had, um, and this is, this is probably, what is this? This is mid eighties, maybe. 
early 80s. So I thought I was, you know, 10, 12, 14, whatever. And he lived in North Queensland in Australia, and that's kind of like, you know, pretty remote area at the time. I think they had like two TV stations and, and no cable or, or anything. I mean, there was nothing to watch on TV. So he used to always, he was like Blockbuster's, remember Blockbuster? <laughs> the video shop? Yeah. Uh, he would constantly be there and he'd come home and he'd have, you know, 10 movies and, oh, let's watch this movie, let's watch this movie. And, and we'd be watching movies all the time. And he, he never, ever watched horror movies. And I remember asking him one day, I said, why, why don't you watch horror movies? Not that I was a fan, but I just was curious. Like he watched all this other stuff, but he never watched a horror movie. And he said, I don't, I, I, I think they're bad because they give people ideas. And maybe so, maybe not. And that's what I, you know, when I go into that attic space and whatever, mm -hmm. and I come up with something, I go, Ugh. and I think we spoke about this a couple of years ago. And um, one of the thoughts I had that somebody actually went and did it. Oh, right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I remember um, that, you know, having that thought, oh, this would make an awesome story, suspense, thriller, horror, whatever. And then, and then you told me, you know, yeah, some guy did that. And I just went, ooh, now I feel like really kind of. Yeah, but I mean, I think everything's pretty much been done. And, and so much of my stuff is just taken from headlines I've seen. You know, it's all stuff that, or a combination of things I've seen or heard or read about or whether it came from Auschwitz or it came from the paper or it came from wherever or like someone's done it or some movie I've seen. So I don't know. I'm not, I never worry about that anymore. I, I did just um, in Untold Mayhem, one of the stories that was half the people liked it a lot, half of them hated it. It was about a school shooting. And so I knew, and at Brown, um, I knew a lot of people were going to have a hard time with that. And it was triggered a lot of people and, you know, no one's going to get an idea from it. Like if they were going to blow up a school or shoot up a school or whatever, they were already going to do it. It doesn't matter if they read it you know, from me or Stephen King or, or whatever. So I don't worry about that anymore, about giving anyone ideas. Um, but I think uh, I, I've had a couple of people actually tell me too, like reading horror kind of helps them deal with some of their, like, you know, they're not the only person that has had this kind of thought before. Because, um, dude, I've had tons of like terrible, terrible thoughts and I don't know why they popped up and I felt guilty about them. I was like, no, well, I'm just going to put that into my writing and then I'll get rid of it. Um, so who knows, you know, who knows where they came from, but like, eh, that's how I get rid of it. Yeah, we're not, we're, we're not the thinker of our thoughts, right? And, exactly. Uh, Sam Harris, mm -hmm. his podcast, and he, he talks a lot about free will and all that stuff. And he's just a brilliant guy. But, and he's, you know, a uh, uh, neuroscientist and, and, and whatnot and, studying like consciousness and where does it come from and, and it's just a fascinating area but you know a thought pops into your head and you're like well i didn't think of that where that come from and it came from somewhere deeper you know how do you how do you become the thinker of your own thoughts that's curious to me <laughs> i know what did you say his name was sam harris sam harris yeah i know i have one of his books here i just was recommended that but yeah that was uh super good um oh here it is waking up Dang, yeah, totally. read that one. That's a good one. I've yeah, read most of these stuff. Yeah, I read all. That's one of the nice things. Even though, uh, dude, I hate writing nonfiction. I swore after unlocking the cage, I would never do it again. Um, but because I've been working on the traumatic brain book, like I've read so many positive books and awesome books, and that that was one of them. Um, but yeah, just really exploring our mind and all of that. Um, so yeah, I think that is awesome. I want to get into, before we forget, we could probably talk all day, but I want to get into your new business and uh, how you came up with it, why you came up with it, uh, and what it is, and why my use of it is so awesome. Okay. Well, yeah, thanks. And um, what it is, uh, it's, it's a way for people to connect and transact online right now i don't know if you've noticed <laughs> and your listeners have noticed your viewers have seen that one of the things because of covid and everything surrounding it is everyone's got a side hustle 
Man, I think you were saying it before, like people are trying to find ways to connect. People that were offline, you know, they, they had a bricks and mortar business. Like, I mean, you know, we have a, a karate dojo, which we've had for you know, 18 years now. And um, it's uh, come, what was it? It was March 24. I was out of the country. We're in Australia and um, <laughs> boom, doors are shut. We haven't opened them since. And there's, you know, we've had to switch to Zoom and, and try to teach, but that's not a sustainable model. And it's just ongoing challenge and numbers are dropping and then it's just up and down, you know, and it's just a headache. And I think, oh, I'm grateful we can actually still teach by Zoom. You know, there's, what about all these people like that have uh, swim schools, for example? Right. Indoor swim school. I, you, you can't teach swimming via Zoom, I don't think. But maybe you can, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or, or just the thousands and thousands of people who, whose businesses have just been absolutely smashed. Um, so in one respect, we're just, we're just so grateful and thankful that we can continue to have an impact and help people and um, you know, still run our dojo and, and whatnot. But so I know this is kind of a long way around to where I'm getting, but what we did when that all got shut down, I'm sitting at the, at the dojo, I've got um, you know, all these thoughts in my head and I know uh, my daughter has got online and she's on Instagram and she's, she's just crushing it. She's, you know, she'd been doing Instagram for, I don't know, six weeks and she was, had like 800 followers or something on Instagram. And I'm like, whoa, what's going on here? And she, you know, uh, she's lived the bookworm on Instagram and she, um, she has these videos on Facebook and, and she's just an avid reader and, and she's just absolutely killing it. And so these, these thoughts are floating around in my head of, you know, following and whatnot. And, um, and for the dojo, I'm using this, this app to a web app or a web service to book people into the schedule, um, you know, for, uh, like an introductory lesson to karate or, or whatnot. I'm using a service called You Can Book Me. It's really neat. It, it taps into your Google Calendar and it, it um, just makes it simple, mm-hmm. right? And so I've got You Can Book Me in this part of my head and I've got my daughter doing Instagram follow and I'm started, things started come together and I came up in my head, You Can Follow Me. And I'm like, You Can Follow Me. What the heck's You Can Follow Me? And it was much like what we were just talking about before, you've got a character and you're trying to explore, what is this? Where does this come from? And so I'm going, what, what would you could follow me be? I mean, it's an awesome domain name because it's got a built-in call to action and it's saying, telling the person exactly what you can do, you can follow me. <laughs> and so I, I Googled it and there's no uh, domain for that. And I'm like, I'm going to snap that up <laughs> right now. And I got that and I came home and I told Christina, what if there was a way that we could connect people and take, you know, they're on Instagram, they're on Facebook, they're on YouTube, they're on Twitter, they're on Pinterest, TikTok, whatever. You want TikTok? No. I don't know what. Oh, TikTok? I actually, I started a profile and that was it. And I took it. All right. (laughs) So basically what it does, it takes all of your links and consolidates it all into one point of contact. And uh, then you can... um, have you know pick a handle like an instagram handle but it's you can follow dot me slash for example mark julius and that's where everyone can it, it's like your your online business card i think that's probably the easiest way to describe it because people go well, what is it and I'm, I'm trying to find the words to describe it i know what it does but how do you sum it up in one word or one sentence it's your online business card or your online business gateway it's a one point of contact where People find and connect with you in a very focused, easy to understand format. And people might say, well, why don't you just send them to your website? And I say, well, yeah, you could. But the the thing on your website is you've got so much content and so much information and you might just want to, you know, give them a link to a podcast or a link to a book release or a link to whatever it is. And this way it just goes boom, 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 boom and you're keeping them focused on point exactly where you want them to be. So it, it teaches people how to connect and transact with you. So um, I know we set up your profile, but other people that we're really helping with this, obviously with, uh, with karate and my, my um, audience in, in that area, we're helping other dojos, you know, basically set up um, their You Can Follow Me for their dojo. 
so they can uh, book lessons online, they, people can follow, call, you know, do all that kind of stuff. We're helping people in direct sales that, you know, we've got a whole bunch of boss ladies or boss moms who are, you know, they're, they're educating their kid at home and they never realize how difficult home, <laughs> home schooling is, right? Uh, so they're dealing with that, but then they're trying to bring in this extra income because they've either been you know, laid off or, or can't go to work because they've got to homeschool their kids. And so they've signed up with, uh, you know, a direct sales company, for example, that might be like Party Light or Epicure or Color Street or Zotero Oils or you know whatever it is, where they're they're trying to uh, reach out to their network and help people, you know, get their products you know through their affiliate link. So instead of going, okay, here's my, I don't know. Um, Color Street. I think they do like nails or something, right? Okay. <laughs> and and so you get this URL which is like really long, and, and you know you see it all the time. People are wanting to support each other on Facebook, and they say, "Hey, let's keep business amongst our friends. Don't buy from the big box stores. You know, let's help each other. You need something, drop your link in here. Um, you know, uh, keep it within our local network." And so people put in their their link to their their affiliate mm. product, whatever it is they sell. So you've got all these people that are dropping their Instagram handle or, or their link to their affiliate website. And, but how, how the heck are you going to remember three days later that Mark Tullius is a rep for Color Street or Party Light or whatever and then try to remember what the URL is? Right. So what we're doing is going, instead of doing that, guys, just drop your You Can Follow Me link in. So it's youcanfollow.me, Mark Tullius, bam. The, the person goes there and they come up and they see that you're now selling Avon and you're <laughs> doing whatever else you're doing. And what we're finding, Mark, is that it, there's this like cross-pollination going on as well because we've got these, these boss mums and, and whatnot that are, um, you know, reps for five different companies. I mean, they are busy. And right. it, this just eliminates all this back and forth. Well, how do I connect with you? How, what's your website? What's it? No, just go here. Here it is. Boom. No. Yeah. No, for and, me, it's, oh, sorry. I was, I was going to say for me, it's awesome because I think I have all the different links to the podcast. You, I think the YouTube link, the different places you could listen to it. Um, I have my books on there. I have Instagram, all my, all my different handles. So I think I have like 10 things on there, which is super convenient. And it looks so much nicer when I post and just having that one link. Um, so if you guys haven't done it yet, you can follow me at was it marktolies.com is that how it no, works so it's just going to be here let's do a screen share I, right? damn i did it wrong <laughs> can i do a screen share uh let's try it okay so i'm gonna oh no you disabled it so you'll damn have it. to you'll have to screen share it or enable me i don't know how to do any of this stuff uh anyway Bitch. I'll, yeah, but put to, a, I'll put a picture uh, so i'll write that down right now i will share on this part of the video i will cut us talking out and i'll put up a screenshot of um, a little video of me using it yeah so your link is you can follow dot me slash mark tullius okay and people go through there they see all your books on amazon degrees instagram website and all your podcast info and all that good stuff yeah no but it's a super super smart idea now do you offer a free version for people that want to just try it out what do you yeah so we, we offer, and I'm going to let you know a secret. We offer, right? I don't know if I should tell you. No. We, have a, um, we have a free version where people can get started, try it out, see how they like it. And it is free and it does the basics. Um, so if they wanted to do it, they could just go to youcanfollow.me and go ahead and sign up. Get your free account, try it out. It's, um, you'll see how it works. We have something called Follow Me Plus, which is the paid version. And that allows you to do like full customization. So you can brand it exactly with your style and colors and everything else. So your branding is consistent across your social media, uh, which is really important. Um, and it gives you some more functionality, gives you more detailed reporting, uh, you know, things. To, you can embed YouTube videos, which might be awesome for you. I haven't spoken to you about that, but maybe uh, if you've got a trailer or something for, I know you had some a while back, right? So you could you could put that in. People could see that. 
Hey, buddy. Can you say hi to Jason? Yeah. This is Jake Finn. Meet Jake. Did you? Yeah, we have the same you? birthday. Yeah, it was. Uh, you guys have the same birthday? Yeah, May the fourth be with you. Wow, is that pretty cool? Yeah. Yeah. He said meow, so that means yeah, that's super cool. I don't speak very good cat, but I speak a little bit of cat. My, my daughter used to speak cat for a while when she was about his age. She used to just turn again. <laughs> he thought for sure he was going to turn into a cat when he turned seven. Uh, it hasn't happened yet, or it happened and it went away really quick. We're not sure what. Yeah. Uh, so that's what's going on there. Um, do you want yeah. It, um, but basically, we have that. We have the the paid version that gives you more options, more flexibility, more functionality, and uh, better reporting. It helps you expand your reach faster and, and all that. And we're just about to release drumroll a premium version, which is like the next level uh, that's going to have a whole bunch more stuff in there. And uh, I'm not going to tell you exactly what it is because it's a couple of weeks away from being released. But what we've got right now is, uh, you know, the free and the, and the plus. And, um, okay. And you yeah. said that was you can follow dot me. Correct. That is it. That sounds perfect. No, that, yeah, I think it's, I think it makes a lot of sense. It's awesome. I'm glad that you uh, let me know about it and help me set it all up because, and that's one of the problems too, is if I've, if it had been left up to me, I wouldn't have got it done. Even though it's simple, like certain things just, man, I just can't get done. I think most people probably could just benefit. I mean, even if it was just simply in their email, if, you, if that is your email signature, if you have that down there, then people can go follow you online, whatever you put in there, like Facebook or your phone or and all that. So I think yeah. that's a great way to use it, uh, even if you don't have a business. So I don't know. This seems like a good product for uh, everyone. Um, but as you saw, my son is getting anxious. And so I guess I should probably go attend to him uh, and wrap this up. But I seriously enjoyed talking with you. It's been too long since we got together. Too bad you guys live so far away. Uh, uh, what is uh, it, 45 minutes? No, with traffic, it could be an hour or so. We'll and I, just, I don't like to leave the house. Um, okay. Especially now. Yeah, especially now. So I end every episode with a story, a short story or a chapter. Today will be from Untold Mayhem. Um, I was trying to think of one that you might like. I was like, what would be like one sick and really twisted one? Um, <laughs> Give people the, the wrong impression. <laughs> I think so too. Yeah, let's go with the nice professional businessman <laughs> story. Oh, I got it. All right. So we're going to go with the fine print. Uh, that's one of my favorite stories on here. It's one of the later ones I wrote, I think. Um, and it's about two businessmen. So uh, we will go out on that. I don't know who the narrator is, but I will put him or her in the credits. Uh, Jason Stanley, Jason the Manly Stanley, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for You Can Follow Dot Me. That's an awesome product. Uh, you guys should check it out. And uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Later. Awesome. Thanks for having me. The Fine Print Mr. Cohen handed Stan and Gary their contracts, then laid his folded hands on his mahogany desk. Cohen's black suit, blue tie, crisp white shirt, and manicured hands screamed class. But the look was a bit too stuffy for Stan. Stan looked great in a suit, but he'd rather throw on a nice pair of jeans and a snug polo so he wouldn't be too intimidating to women who might want to approach him. Gentlemen, before we get started, let me just make certain that you understand how this works. This is mediation, not arbitration. There is no judge or jury, just the two of you talking out your differences, with me helping you come to a satisfactory resolution. Anxious to get it over with, Stan said, We got it. Gary, how about you? Any questions? Not surprisingly, Gary shook his head, unable to assert himself and speak even a one-word answer. Then if you would both please review the contract and sign and date it. Today is the 30th. Stan turned to the back of the ten-page contract. What exactly am I signing here? Not promising my firstborn or anything like that, he joked, flashing his winning smile and turning the charm on, already trying to get Cohen in his corner.
It simply states that the resolution you reach is binding and cannot be appealed. It also waives your right to sue Final Solution if things don't go the way you expected them to. Stan put pen to paper, chuckling as he scrawled his name. Not too worried about that. I recommend that you read the whole thing. Stan flipped through the pages to satisfy Cohen. Looks like your standard contract. I'd like to get this thing started if we could. Stan looked to his right. Gary was on page three. Come on, man. I don't have all day. He can take as long as he needs. Predictably, Gary folded under Stan's pressure and turned to the last page. After carefully signing his name, he handed the contract to Cohen. Speaking to Stan, but looking straight ahead, he asked, Happy? Stan slid his contract across the desk to the mediator. Very. Let's start. Cohen held up a finger as he checked the signatures. Stan was tempted to reach across the desk and snap the pretentious prick's finger in two. But instead, he sat there with a smile pasted on his face. One more thing, Cohen said as he looked up from the contracts. I'll need both of your watches and cell phones. Stan looked down at his Cartier and shook his head. I don't think so. It's one of my rules. No phones, clocks, watches, or hourglasses. Once this thing is started, we don't finish until we've reached a satisfactory conclusion. Gary handed over his phone and cheap Timex. Stan took his time unclasping his watch. Cohen took it from him and walked to a paneled wall. When he pushed the middle section of the wall, a panel slid to the side, revealing a safe. With his back blocking their view, Cohen dialed in the combination, opened the safe, and inserted the contracts and their belongings. Before closing the safe, Cohen pushed a button that unlocked the hidden door next to it. Stan pretended to be impressed. Wow, look at you, all mission impossible. Cohen pulled the door open and motioned for the men to head down the dimly lit concrete hallway. Not exactly. We just respect our clients' privacy. And can you really blame me for not wanting this ugly door in the middle of my office? Stan glanced about the plush office. You've got a point. Plus, people would be wondering where that door went instead of listening to what you were saying. Gary, who had just entered the hallway, took the bait. Where does it go? Cohen took off his jacket and hung it on the back of his chair. Last door on the left. Stan strode down the long hallway, breathing down Gary's back. When Gary stepped into the room and stopped abruptly, Stan stumbled and collided into Gary's back. What the hell, dickweed? Why did you stop? You should watch where you're going, Gary said under his breath. Enough of that. Cohen walked between the two men. Gary, have a seat over there, he said, pointing to the edge of the sunken concrete pit that filled the room. Stan, you take that side. Stan looked where Cohen was pointing. Are you serious? There's no cushion. Take a seat, Stan. Gary walked to his side of the pit, stepped into it and sat on the edge. Stan went to his side and plopped down onto the hard concrete. Trying to make light of the uncomfortable situation, he said, Fill this thing with water and we've got ourselves one hell of a jacuzzi. I'll line up the coos if you handle the booze. I thought you wanted to get started, Stan. Cohen's dry, monotone voice was starting to grate on Stan's nerves. Stan looked away from Cohen and caught Gary smirking. He restrained himself from dashing across the eight feet that divided them and smashing him in the face. What's so funny, you little pencil-neck geek? Cohen stepped to the edge of the pit. Stan, that's the last time you insult Gary without there being a consequence. Understood? Don't speak to me like I'm a child. Don't act like one. Stan's blood was boiling. He didn't trust himself to look at Cohen, but staring across at Gary was almost as bad. 
Now, if you two are ready to start, please place your feet on the markings in front of you. The outlines of two feet were painted on the concrete floor a few inches away from the step when Stan placed his feet inside the markings. Two metal shackles shot out from the wall inside the pit and clasped both ankles. He jumped to his feet and nearly fell over as the restraints prevented him from moving forward. Easy, Stan, Cohen said. It's part of the session. They don't hurt, do they? Stan looked across at Gary, who was sitting there acting as if the ankle chains didn't bother him. He sat back down on the concrete ledge. Speaking to Cohen, he said, You could have warned us. Relax, Stan, Gary said. They're not going to hurt you. Cohen pressed the intercom on the wall and said, We're ready. A few moments later, the door across the hall opened, and two men with wheelbarrows full of wood entered the mediation room. The two men placed their wheelbarrows at the edge of the sunken pit and constructed a three-foot-high pile of logs directly between Gary and Stan. The two workers left the room with their empty wheelbarrows. Stan joked, Where are the marshmallows? Sorry, Stan, but we don't provide any treats. Trying not to sound nervous, but smelling the familiar scent of lighter fluid, Stan asked, So what's all this? It's our way of teaching you both a valuable lesson. Each time one of you says something negative about the other, you are adding fuel to the fire instead of putting it out. Some people have difficulty grasping that concept. Here, at Final Solution, we have made it a little more real. The two workers came back with wheelbarrows overflowing with wood and set them on either side of Cohen. One placed a large fire extinguisher next to Cohen's feet. Stan thought the whole idea was stupid, but he would play along. Oh, I get it. As soon as I say something about him, you light the fire. Cohen pulled a lighter from his suit and flicked the flame on. You're exactly right. Hold on a second. You can't be serious, Gary said, squirming away from the pile of logs. I'm out of here. So you're willing to let all of your claims go? You're going to give the business to Stan? Yeah, Gary, just give it to me. You know I should have it anyway. Gary settled down. I'm not giving you anything. Good, Cohen said, still holding the burning lighter. It'd be such a waste setting all this up for nothing. Discuss your problems like rational men. Let's come to a resolution. Hate to tell you this, but I wouldn't call threatening to set a fire between us as being the most rational thing I've ever seen. Stan, we've never had a case come to an unsatisfactory conclusion. What other mediator can promise a 100% success rate? Then let's do it. This smell has given me a headache. Stan looked across the mound of logs. You ready, weasel boy? Cohen tossed the lighter onto the pile, setting it ablaze. He pressed a button on the wall, turning on the exhaust fans installed above the pit. Cohen faced them with a smile. I told you that the next negative comment would have consequences. We have started, gentlemen, and will continue until we've finished. You're crazy! Stan backed away as far as the restraints allowed. What the hell do you think you're doing?! These clothes are going to be ruined. Cohen slipped on a pair of black leather gloves, picked up a log from the wheelbarrow closest to Stan, and tossed it onto the fire. Trying not to let his temper get the best of him, Stan said, I didn't say anything about him. You can't get mad at anyone but yourself, Cohen said smugly. The two of you have the power to end this. I recommend doing it quickly. Stan used the back of his forearm to wipe the sweat from his forehead. He looked down and saw that the tips of his $400 shoes were melting. He bent over, picked up the end of a burning log, and tossed it at Cohen. Turn this shit off and let me get the fuck out of here before I sue the hell out of you guys. Cohen picked up the extinguisher and sprayed the burning log by his feet. 
You probably should have taken a closer look at the contract. Always read the fine prints, Stan. Stan reached for a log, but his hands came too close to the fire. The lighter fluid that had rubbed off on him from the log he'd tossed ignited, and he threw his blazing hands into the air. Screaming in pain, he looked at Cohen, who was standing there with the extinguisher. What do you say? Please, Stan yelled. Please put it out. Cohen put out the fire on Stan's hands, covering the entire front of his body with the white foam. That's a freebie. No more Mr. Nice Guy. I suggest you two get started. Stan started to object, but Gary said, I think we should talk, Stan. Come on, I'm scared. Stan ripped off his shirt and wrapped it around his smoldering hands, hoping to ease the pain. What the fuck you want to talk about? You put me in here, you goddamn Jew. Cohen tossed another log onto Stan's side. What did I say now? Personal attacks won't help you come to a satisfactory resolution. He's not even Jewish. It's just an expression. Jews are known for being cheap. Thanks, but I'm well aware of that stereotype. Gary said, It's fine. Let's just talk and get this over with. It's starting to burn my legs. Gary looked to Cohen and asked, Can't we just stop this? We understand. Cohen pointed to the yellow button next to the intercom. That unlocks your restraints. Come to a satisfactory resolution, and I will press it. Gary said, You backdoored me and stole my major accounts, ones I had before we even started our partnership. Now it looks like I'm not bringing anything to the table. My take-home pay is half of yours. Is that why you're stealing? Gary didn't answer. Cohen picked up a log and asked Gary, Is that a true accusation or a false attack? When Gary didn't answer, Cohen threw a log on each side of the blaze. Answer him, you prick, Stan said as he nudged away a burning log. You know you're stealing. I had to. You took all my accounts, Gary said with a whine. You weren't servicing them right. If you had, maybe your clients wouldn't have approached me. I didn't service them right. That's what I said. Gary looked defeated when he asked, Like my wife, you son of a bitch. Is that why you slept with her? It was impossible to tell if it was tears or sweat rolling down his cheeks. Cohen threw two logs onto Gary's side of the pyre. Sit and calm yourself. Stan smiled, even though he could barely see Gary's deflated face through the rising flames. Unable to stop himself, Stan said, If it makes you feel any better, we never did any sleeping. Gary cried out and jumped to his feet, forgetting about the ankle restraints and raging fire in front of him. He fell face first onto the inferno and panicked, throwing logs out of his way. His shirt was on fire when he got back on his feet, Cohen doused him with the extinguisher and told him to sit. Once Gary was seated, Cohen threw two more logs onto Gary's side and tossed the extinguisher behind him. No more chances. You two better hurry. Seeing his partner on fire sobered Stan. Trying to regain control of the situation, he said, I'm sorry, Gary, but I didn't exactly rape her. Speaking so low that Stan could barely hear him over the crackling fire, Gary said, You were screwing my wife in my own office. She seduced me. You know she's not my type. You've seen the girls I've been with. I like them young and tight, not middle-aged and saggy. Cohen tossed two logs onto Stan's side. They caught fire and rolled onto Stan's shoes, setting his jeans on fire. Stan brought his shirt-wrapped hands to his pants and slapped the fire out. I didn't say anything, Stan yelled, knowing he wouldn't survive many more logs. Stan, Gary shouted. Let's agree on something. Hurry up. My pants are melting. Stan kicked at the burning logs and set his jeans on fire again. Put me out, you fuck, he ordered Cohen. Cohen stepped behind Stan's wheelbarrow and grabbed the handles. 
Stan whipped his head back to Gary, whom he could no longer see. Sell me the business for 200000 plus you keep 10%. Gary cowered in a heap of sobbing moans. The fire seared his calves and climbed his legs. You miserable Jew! Cohen heaved on the handles and dumped the logs into the pit. Within seconds, the flames licked the ceiling, engulfing Stan's legs. Barely able to think, Stan shouted, We'll never agree! There's no solution! There's always a solution, Cohen said as he turned toward the door. And this one is fine by me. This has been a presentation of the Project Entertainment Network.